They hate us, you know. The humans, they'll stop at nothing. My mommy doesn't hate me. Because I'm special and unique. Because there's never been anyone like me before, ever. Mommy loves Martin because he is real, and when I am real, Mommy's going to read to me and tuck me in my bed and sing to me and listen to what I say, and she will cuddle with me and tell me every day a hundred times a day that she loves me. She loves what you do for her. As my customers love what it is I do for them. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Posh Presents Pictures Power. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek. How are you, Bartek? I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing pretty well as well. Just as well. Just as well as you, who is doing pretty well. Well, well, well. As we know, Ryan, you and I, the Polish word for well is not. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, as we as we as we all know, Zignonj. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a name. We are spitting Polish so I can because we're always spitting and we both happen to be Polish, which factors into every single episode of our podcast. Every episode we <laughs> include a Polish phrase, <laughs> saying meaning, translation, fact. And that's the show. We don't talk about movies. We're just Polish. We're in the top 10 Polish podcasts for a reason, motherfuckers. And we're going to be number one by 2021. I don't even think we've ever said anything nice about Polish culture either. Uh, I thought you said stuff nice about it. Like you've been there and it was nice. That's about it. It was nice. You don't like the carbonated water. You don't like their boring food. Fuck. The annoying people <laughs> who are constantly asking <laughs> questions about things that don't matter. Totally yes, totally yes. The sexism against women in particular. You like to bring that one up. Oh, it's always good to bring that one up. They love it when I Ryan, bring it up. Ryan That's why we're women. in the top ten. <laughs> we're doing our show Pictures Power, the show in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended. Now, before we do all of that, where I describe what movie and that, I've got some, some stuff to say about tech. I've got an amusing thing to say, and I've got a more sorrowful thing to say. So amusing thing first. I have found out through the internet that I've seen more Amanda Bynes movies (laughs) than I have given credit for in the past. Oh, well. Our good friends over at the Contrarians podcast listened to our She is the Man episode and stated I should watch some and examples that were given. I have seen some, and I'm like, I didn't know she was in Hairspray. Just let everyone Did know. Did you this is... know she was in Hairspray? As her friend? As the main oh, character? Oh, yeah! See? See? So, my history is, on this podcast, I guess I have lied constantly by <laughs> saying I've only seen Amanda Bynes in Big Fat Liar, and now the world's upside down. Partek said, Robots. Of course I've seen Robots. Who hasn't? It's a great film. Robin Williams' best role? Maybe. Well, uh, this film is. Well, AI, yeah. <laughs> but, and I found out her last film, Amanda Bynes, was Easy A. The film with Emma Stone, I've where Emma Stone has to pretend to be a whore because of the plot needs it. And I've realised I've seen most of Amanda Bynes' filmography while oh, wow. actually <laughs> looking it up on IMDb because she doesn't actually have a huge filmography. She's done a lot of TV, so there's a handful, maybe three films I haven't seen. So is She's so, the Man the only like leading role, though? That was the big leading role. I hadn't seen her big film. So I right. apologise to everyone... I've been an incidental liar this whole time about my relationship with Amanda Bynes. I honestly 
didn't realize that her and I were so joined at the hip. I, I, it's it's unfortunate, but it's true. Mm. The more sorrowful, sad thing is uh, earlier in the week, as we record this episode, uh, the filmmaker Joel Schumacher passed away. Mm. Uh, we've talked about Joel on the podcast before. We've covered two of his films. Uh, Trespass and Falling Down, and I have talked many times about how Falling Down is one of my favorite films, and I have a complicated relationship with Joel Schumacher because, in my opinion, that's his best movie, and none of his other movies have ever come close to that. But it was a disappoint. It was upsetting to hear earlier in the week, Bartek, that he did pass because I want to make it clear: the guy did make good movies. He made entertaining movies, but for me, that's his best one, and nothing came close to that. Other but- than Trespass. Well, Trespass is an unappreciated masterpiece. Falling Down is an appreciated piece of work, but... Yes, but our role on unappreciated masterpieces was to be the appreciators. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, you know, do I prefer Falling Down more? Well, yeah, of course. Of yes, course. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate to hear that, so I just wanted to say, you know, it's it's a bummer, but the guy made great films. Everyone riffs on him for doing those Batman films, but hey, when I grew up, those were the Batman films that I knew. Those were the ones I grew up with. Those were the ones that I had merchandise from. Those were the ones that I had posters of. Those were the ones... That's what I think of Jim Carrey for. I think of him as the Riddler. Like, he contributed a lot. But if people, you know, look up some Joel Schumacher movies. I recommend uh, 8mm, Nicolas Cage. That's a fun one. As we know, him and Nicolas Cage working together is always a fun time. And Phone Booth, where it's just a guy trapped in a phone booth. That's a pretty fun one. Did you know Joel Schumacher helped launch the career of Colin Farrell? I think I might have heard something and like that. And McConaughey, the McConaughey oh. of the Matthew variety. So just wanted to get those things out of the way. So we are doing Pictures Power, the show, like I said, we're doing a movie that's come recommended. Last time it was Bartek's recommendation, this time it's mine. And next episode, it's you, the listening people's recommendation. So check out the description for all the information which you can hit us up on how to give us a, a recommendation or listen to the very end of the episode in which I give you the whole spiel about our email and uh, all that kind of crap. Uh, this episode, I recommended AI Artificial Intelligence from the year 2001, directed by Steven Spielberg with the ghost of Stanley Kubrick over his shoulder saying, no, I don't trust a real child. I want to build a robot to do the role (laughs) or have a CG child. Want to wait a while until we have robots. So we will be talking about AI, artificial intelligence in depth, spoilers and all. So you have been warned. Do watch the film if you have not. It is an interesting film, to say the least. And I know I say that about a lot of the films that we do, but this one is very interesting. interesting. It is a divisive movie. Mm. And sure, you want to hear our opinions, but hey, it's always good to form your own opinion as well. And this is a film that, you know, it's worth the time at least. Mm -hmm. It's Even if you don't like it, it is... It is one of those ones where you go. I've watched AI. If, if you're in, if you're, if you live in Australia or you're in Australia within like 120 days of this episode being released, it's on SBS on demand. I didn't realize that's that. where I watched it. Yeah. Oh, wonderful! Uh, so AI, artificial intelligence, Steven Spielberg. Before I ask the usual question, what's your history with this Bartek? What do you think of Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker? Uh whenever I think of him, I literally think of the beginning of Goldmember. Where he appears and he's like, "Ah, oh, look at my Oscars or whatever." Um, so I always think of him as. <laughs> what a, I asked you a very simple question. What do you think of him as a filmmaker? Well, let me tell you about what I think of him as a cameo in Austin Powers Three. 
gold member. When I think of him in general, I think of that. So I always think of him as, you know, a bit of, bit of a caricature because of that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, come on, my reaction is pro- like, how can I not react to that? I asked, like, it's like I can't remember what episode it was, but a little while ago I asked you like, I think it was she's the man actually. When I asked you like, oh, are there any other comedy moments that you enjoyed or the comedy, and you're like, hmm, let me tell you about my philosophical understanding of the comedy in the film. <laughs> Spielberg, filmmaker. What do you think of him as a filmmaker? Um. Yeah, he he's one that whenever I think of him, it's always, uh, you know, he makes great films, but I haven't seen you know all of them or anything like that. I I, I mainly think of him as just being like this big guy in Hollywood. He's one of the directors. He's yeah, probably the director, right? Yeah, well, they're the he's the one that they picked in Goldmember. Exactly. Obviously, they couldn't get Quentin. They got Quincy Jones. They though. got Quincy Jones, yeah. who did the music to... Like, everything. Well, we just did a movie where he did the music, <laughs> which was In the Heat of the Night. Yes, In the Heat of the Night. Jeez, Bartek. Like, he's also... done so many, I was just like, oh, let's Shaft! go back through all of them. <laughs> oh, gold member. Gold member. <laughs> uh, oh, man, if you did, that would have been wonderful. Uh... I think of Steven Spielberg, yeah, as the director. When you think of, like, the big directors, he's yeah. not my favourite. But when I think of the most iconic directors of all time that's currently with us, Spielberg is very much in those top three. Like, I love Tarantino, I love Martin Scorsese, but I think of uh, of, of Spielberg being, you know, yeah. in the echelon with those guys, and probably as number one. Again, not my favourite filmmaker. I've seen a good portion of his films, not all of them. And I don't like all of his films, and I don't hate them either. There's not a film of his that I truly hate that I can talk, think of in my brain. There's just a lot of, eh, eh. The thing is, he's schmaltzy. That's what most people th- will think of. Like, other than his great filmmaker, he loves, you know, he's sentimental. He's soft. He's a bit schmaltzy. Not saying he doesn't make films that are brutal. I mean, Schindler's List, we've talked about it endlessly on the podcast. And that's a brutal... Despite not seeing it, I don't think. You haven't seen it? I thought we not, neither of us had. Oh, uh, we've all seen Schindler's List if we've watched Seinfeld, but... Well, I've seen Seinfeld. There you go. So, <laughs> retract that. Well, it was a funny film. Uh, there you go. Retract that was, a, that was a joke, right? It was that he made out during it. I oh, made out. I thought he laughed or something. I think it was he made out during Schindler's List. Yeah. Uh, but I think of Spielberg as a great filmmaker. I love Jaws. I like E.T., although it's been quite some time since I've seen it. I really enjoy Minority Report. I enjoy... Uh, um, Duel. I enjoy even the episode of Columbo that he directed. Like He has a style, but sometimes he can be a little too schmaltzy and sentimental. Actually, recent, but like, I've been watching some Spielberg just by happenstance. I watched The Terminal, the one where Tom Hanks lives in an airport. Mm, I have that on DVD. I haven't watched it yet. Very good film, but it's very schmaltzy and sentimental. When you know the real story, it's much more depressing. Oh, but wow. uh, And Tom Hanks has a weird Polish accent. It's like from some fictional country, right? Yeah, but he's clearly doing like a Polish-Russian riff, like it's in-betweeny. Yeah. But uh, I think of Spielberg as the top guy. So when you hear about, oh, he directed AI... And then once you look into AI and you find out that Stanley Kubrick, who is really the top director, when you think of like auteur directors, it's Hitchcock and Kubrick are like the big two, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they're no longer with us. So then you go, oh, well, who's going to cover this Kubrick project? What's that? 
what's that? Spielberg, two drastically different filmmakers. They they do have a lot of things in common, but you think of one as being cold. We said this in the Shining episode. One is being cold and analytical and very precise, and then you got Spielberg, who's like, I make family movies and I'm schmaltzy and I like, you know, popcorn and all of that. And we got AI. Bartek, what's your history with AI, artificial intelligence? This is a film that I had not seen before doing this podcast, but I heard quite a bit about in the past. So walking into it, I I had some things in my head that I thought I knew about it, and I think all of them ended up being right, but still seeing it all play out in front of me was quite an experience. And what were those things? What do you mean by that? Uh, just main plot development points, like, you know, it's about a kid, uh, robot who's meant to replace a child who's, you know, not with them or sick, but then they come back and then they get rid of him, and then the film makes, like, really drastic changes to what happens, like, like, the death parade thing, and then it ends with, like, a 2,000 years later thing. Yeah, yeah, And just, just a bunch of little elements like that. So... Through just general chatter on the in, in real life or on the internet, you have basically watched the movie without actually having watched the film. I know I've definitely seen the old Nostalgia Critic review it. I think there was a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror that parodied it, like, yeah, yeah. a dozen years ago. <laughs> and maybe just works that have referenced it, or maybe, like, yeah, little chatter on the internet. Just somehow I, I knew most of the elements, but I'd never seen it. I'm not. I'm going to ask you what you thought of the movie, but I will just say first: Did you get any pleasure out of having watched the movie the way that you have, where you've basically got all of this information already in your brain, like you've already know all the big beats of a movie you haven't seen? Mm. Did you still derive any kind of? Yeah, there were definitely, like, little things that I didn't know about, and, again, to re-emphasize, seeing it all play out was an experience. And what did you think? Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of mixed feelings. I, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, mm. I liked bits of it. There were bits of it that I was sort of, like, criticizing while watching it, but then stepping back and being like, wait, in other films, wouldn't that be a compliment? And yeah, mm-hmm. it's just very... Very hard to nail exactly my, my feelings. It does feel like one I have to watch again. Um, but I'm glad I watched it. So, out of ten, what would you give it? Uh, I'd give it a... Six out of ten. A tulip. Yeah. So, you are like most people, then. Well, not most. There are good there I... are people who love this movie, and there are people who fucking hate this movie. Yeah, I... But I think most people are like... I don't know where to fall on it because at the end of the day, it's so well made. Mm, yeah, the film was... looks great. The acting is off the charts. It captures a sci-fi tone, which is very hard to do mm. very nicely. This has both. It has all the elements of sweet and saccharine and creepy and scary and existential dread and what is human. Yeah, and it captures yeah. all of that. So it's kind of hard for a lot of people to say, I fucking hate it or I fucking love it, because there's also things that it doesn't do very well or things that it does really well, and it, it's yeah, a when I was, real yeah. juggling act. When I was looking it up a little bit, like, you know, a couple of hours ago, just to see, like, general impressions online, most of them were really positive. So mm. so for our, our little niche of, like, YouTube commenter, IMDb reviewer type of people, there, there's a lot of positivity in that field. Yeah, so my, my my relationship with this movie is I grew up with this movie. 
I've watched it, I, I don't know how many times. Like, not as many as other movies, but a, a good amount of times. And there's images that will be forever seared into my brain because of this movie. And not the crazy shit, like, oh, the, the alien slash robots at the end or whatever. What's seared into my brain is... Like the full moon thing? The f- no, him at the bottom of the pool. Yeah, yeah. That's forever seared into my brain. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Or... Or the kid trying to cut him with a knife before that. Like, that image. is just, like, When mm. you see that as a little kid, you're like, geez, because this isn't a movie for children. Yet it a lot is. Of, a lot of the YouTube, but it isn't. A lot of the YouTube comments were like, oh, I watched this as a kid and it traumatized me forever. Or just other things, like that lady smiling at him, the nanny yeah. one, and then she gets melted. Like, that's forever seen into my brain. But there's also, like, happy images seen into my brain, like Jude Law at the end holding on and he's kind of levitating in the air like that's very like uh, you know and uh, the city that that sex city there's yeah. there's lots of images that are forever seared into my brain and as a kid i enjoyed this movie up until a point and as an adult i hadn't seen it in quite some time so this watching is probably the first time i've seen it again since like 14 maybe 15 and i remember last time i watched it i was like mixed on it like it was that thing of when you've when mm-hmm. you've watched something as a kid and then you start to mature and you're still watching it or if you revisited it and now you're starting to have mixed emotions about it because maybe you have a different understanding critically yeah. or you're I've more mature podcast, and, yeah. and you go ah, but little ryan enjoyed this so much or i've seen this so many times i don't know if i have the ability to remove myself from it yeah been there <laughs> This, on this watch, there's lots of things that's wrong with this movie, but I still feel positivity towards it, but I'm mixed too, and (laughs) I kind of love that this movie from nearly 20 years ago, from Steven Spielberg, has me mixed, where I'm just sitting there going, at the end of it, I don't know if I'm happy, sad, or angry. I just don't know, like, and I, I, I love when a movie, I'm not, I don't always love, but there's always a thing where if a movie can get you in that headspace, it's thrilling sometimes, because a lot of movies don't do that for me. A lot of them, I just go, all right, that was good, or I don't ever need to see that again, or very it kind of Very straightforward leaves, conclusions. It very, a lot of them leave my brain instantly, like, I haven't thought about She's the Man again, hmm. uh, even though I did somewhat enjoy that movie, but it was, like, guilty fluff pleasure kind of thing or like even you know like the shining great film watch it gives you that atmosphere but once it's kind of done i'm not forever thinking about me as an individual because that film's so iconic and it's kind of like yeah but this film isn't like this film's iconic there's lots of images and things that have been riffed on and homaged and taken but it's not iconic in the same sense because people don't talk about ai a lot they talk about it as i'm like oh remember Haley joel osman he was in the sixth sense and ai like that's kind of it yeah. No one talks about like how fucking great Jude Law is in this movie. I don't know if how you felt about I, Jude I'm Law. with you on that for sure. No one talks about the chick from Bedazzled being the mum. <laughs> that's that's the girl from Bedazzled. The the girl that he was right, after, Alison. Right. No one talks about the guy from Michael being in the film. Yeah. Oh, you mean William Hurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one talks about this Robin Williams performance. <laughs> but I still feel mixed about this film about a little robot boy and it is exciting to feel mixed about it i'm like yeah there's things to think about 
let's talk about the negatives or what didn't work for us or stuff mm. that kind of rubs us up the wrong way or we don't know like that kind of stuff like the more kind of you know that uh, feeling i don't want to just be purely negative but uh, feeling mm. what are some things for you as a first time view i know it's technic i mean technically you it is defi- it is my seen- first time yeah yeah um and definitely the thing that's that stuck with me first of all uh was something that i wouldn't know through the pop culture stuff uh, I'd say from the beginning of the film up until, like, the abandonment slash meeting of uh, Gigolo Joe, uh, Jude mm. Law, I was noticing that, like, every single scene, every single, like, line w- felt like it was trying to be, and succeeding at times, to be, like, very meaningful. Mm. Uh, there wasn't as much, uh, I guess downtime like every single line felt like it was trying to contribute to something without being like you know too directly expository um and what this it made me feel a bit conflicted because on the one hand it was you know serving the narrative the whole time but also it felt a bit you know overbearing at times yeah that makes sense i agree i agree i one of the things that I am like you with, where I go, this didn't work for me, but at the same time, I kind of understand why is this. The mother character, she's not great. Very melodramatic. Yeah, but also it's just like, I feel like we don't get enough time spent with her and David bonding enough, but also we do. And she's a bad person. Because she kind of has to be, right? Because she has to abandon him in the woods and never look back. But then also the film wants you to care because David cares. Mm. But at the same time, that's the point. He has a child's innocence about himself. But there comes a point where Gigolo Joe gives him a speech about why the humans hate us and why they will throw them away when, like, that's what happened to you, David. And I agree with Gigolo Joe... But the film wants me to still journey with David. And that's the thing. where I understand why. It makes sense. But me as a cynical adult who's watched many science fiction things, I'm sitting there going, no, no, Gigolo Joe's right. Gigolo Joe's right. Yeah, this is very... He's he's very much right. Humans are shit. And part of it is that mother character. I don't blame the actress, but there's just something not gelling there. Just something, but at the same time, that's on purpose. And I don't know if it's fair to critique that, but I'm just sitting there going, "There's, there's, I just can't get a grasp on this as much as the film, I think, wants me to, but at the same time, the film doesn't want me to. Yeah. So as I'm much very as, confused as and much very, as, as much as every single part of her quarter of the film has, like, you know, every line being, like, meaningful and trying to add to the themes and stuff, yeah, you don't really... Like you said, you don't really get the bonding downtime kind of thing because all of the stuff that we do get is trying to be meaningful towards the the whole message. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Anything else? What are some other things? Uh, that honestly is the biggest one. Uh, and I, I I guess there's a lot to say about the ending as well. Like how mm, we can have a whole section on the <laughs> we end. We can have a whole section on the end. Um, this is me as biased as a kid. Yeah, but it still rings true. And as a kid, I felt this. Now imagine a kid feeling this, and as an adult, I feel this, and I don't know if it's a bias. My favorite character is Gigolo Joe. Yes, I agree for myself. I will forever think of Jude Law as Gigolo Joe, 
I don't care about him. Like, I love him as an actor, and I believe he is an actor that really ingratiates himself into a character, but he's Gigolo Joe to me. He'll forever be Gigolo Joe. And as a kid, it always disheartened me and bummed me out that he just leaves the film. He just gets taken, and it Mm. felt, even as a kid and as an adult, it feels the same of... The script didn't need that character anymore, so let's remove that character. And it's just done in a way where he just gets taken away, just gets sucked up into the sky. And I think a part of me is like, uh, has that bias of, as a kid, I was really bummed out that that character just got taken. And Mm -hmm. as an adult, I know, too, it's because of that. It's like, we've got to remove him from the script. But the way it's done, it's done in that very fairy tale fashion. Well, as someone who's seen the film just the one time as an adult, I would say that he, he gets introduced as like, oh, here's a new main character that's going to be added to the film. Here's his deal, you know? And, and like I said before, when he gets introduced, I feel like there is a lot of like little character building things. It's just mm-hmm. for the purpose of getting to know this guy. Um, and the film almost is making you a promise of like, hey, he and David are now going to be the two main characters. But and then they are. Yeah, and they are. But once David and him meet, David does take the you know full reins and he's the one that continues all the way to the end of the film. Well, yeah, but I think Gigolo Joe still serves his purpose. Like he still has his story continue. Mm. And he does take the reins at a lot of points, like that argument scene, which I think is the best scene in the movie where he's telling him like humans are shit. Mm. He takes the reins on on quite a lot of things. It's, it's, it's also it's kind of hard to tell because Gigolo Joe gets distracted distracted very very easily. While David is the opposite. He's very focused. Gigolo Joe is unfocused. He 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 he'll find like oh a shiny thing over there and walk over there like no Joe we've got to go over here and but <laughs> I shiny things just go find a mirror. Yeah, use his finger as a radio. Like I I just know that they have to remove the character because he can't serve in the story anymore at that point when he gets sucked up in the sky, but it does follow through his story where he's been number one suspect for a murder, the police are tracking him, they track him via his little thing, and then they take him away, and it works, but at the same time, and it works also in a fairy tale way where, you know, the way he gets sucked up in the sky, and his last lines are really great, where it's mm. like, and... You know, and I, I am, I was. and I was, yeah, and then just gets, and he's gone, and it works, but I just love that character, and it's just so sad to see him go. There are just characters like that where they just leave, and you, and it's like a wound in your heart, even though if it works for the movie, and I'm not a hundred percent, I'm, not, I don't think it hundred percent works for the movie. I think they could have done it a bit better, but. That's always rubbed me up the wrong way about this movie. That's what I mean. I love it till that point. And it's and I don't even mind the uh, the blue fairy stuff or whatever, but Gigolo Joe just being taken. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I'd say him his introduction to his leaving is probably the the highlight chunk of the film. Uh, I like that Teddy got to stay though. Mm. Teddy was great. <laughs> <laughs> um I guess another thing is the music in this film it's oh, yeah? very whimsical all throughout um hmm. and i feel like the the music when it played in the the abandonment scene i feel like it was a bit didn't really serve the scene as well when she's leaving him on the side of the road yeah because the f- the music's yeah it's very like whimsical and playful kind of and it's being hmm. put to 
a scene of two people very upset who have to leave each other. I, I yeah, you and I are different parts on that. I just I like the music in this movie. I, I don't I don't hate it. I just think in that scene, it, I didn't find it. I don't know. It just I didn't really just find it. I didn't. I don't remember it. I don't. I don't remember. So maybe if I re-listen to it. But I, I'm so engra- I'm so engrossed in that scene that I maybe am not paying attention to the music in the way that you were. And that's also because I've seen that scene a million times, and it makes you know it's, mm. it's a tearjerker scene. It is a good scene, but I just feel like the music didn't really serve it. Um, I'm trying to think. There are lots of things that just don't work. We have Ben Kingsley narrating at the beginning and end, mm. and it makes sense as to why. But also, did we need it? Like, yes, we do need it. Like, that's the thing. There's so many things where I go, do we need this? And the answer is reserved, yes. But at the same time, I wonder if there was just a a more clever way of writing the script so that we don't have these perfunctory things. Because you get introduced to how the world's fucked up. And I don't remember how the world's fucked up. I just know that it is. I kind of wish that we didn't get that little bit at the beginning. Just just, just let us discover that the world's fucked up. Because there's a bit where the mother says, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you about the world. And mm. then we see David discovering how fucked up the world is. And I really think it would have helped us, the audience, if we were fully in David's shoes. And we also discovered that humanity is this fucked up and this on the decline and this bad. Mm. Uh, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, but... I, I know that with me, because walking into the film, I knew that the film was going to end, like, a huge time skip's going to happen. Uh, one of the things that I was keen to see was like, oh, how's, how's that presented to us? And then it was just through narration, really. And Ben Kingsley's reading it like it's a fairy tale. Yeah, it's like, and then 2,000 <sighs> years passed, and I was like, oh, that, that's it? Well, he had a big monologue before that. <laughs> he but did, yeah, he it, did, but yeah. It's not... Like, it feels like it's lazy, but at the same time, it does serve the theme of the movie of this fairy book, you know, this fairy tale logic storybook thing. Mm. But it does also feel lazy. It feels like you could have written this in a tighter fashion. The film also suffers from the issue of it doesn't feel cohesive. It does feel like each act is a different thing. You Mm. have the first act where it's the ooh, we have a robot boy and that causes family dramas and then we have a second act where we meet Jude Law and it's you know Mad yeah. Max Wild West Town out there where it's, there's flesh fairs it's and, like the old Pinocchio film and that's what I was gonna say yeah. it's, you can't critique it either because it's like the fucking old <laughs> Pinocchio movie but it doesn't mean it's not noticeable I know, yeah. And then the last uh, section of the movie is the blue fairy stuff, and it's all crazy, and there's robot aliens and whatever. But, again, this is a film where it's kind of hard to bag it because it's all on purpose, and Steven Spielberg is a great filmmaker. You could tell a lot of effort's put in. The acting's really good from pretty much everyone, and it looks great, and like you said, it's like Pinocchio, and you can't... It's just so my brain hurts because there's just stuff in it that I just going. And there's obviously with the behind the scenes, Kubrick worked on this for like 30 years or something ludicrous. Was it 30? Oh, jeez. Something ludicrous like that. Was it like 17? 17. I don't know. I saw 30 somewhere floating around, but he worked over a dozen. He worked on this for quite some time. And then he was like, yeah, Spielberg, you're the guy to direct this. My style wouldn't work. And then he died. Uh, and 
there's a stuff where you go, oh, this is so Spielberg. But then you re- then you find out, no, 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 that's all Kubrick stuff, and Spielberg is faithfully acting mm. that stuff out. So then you can't even critique the stuff that's so Spielberg as Spielberg because it's not even Spielberg. Spielberg stuff in the movie is the weird dark shit. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that the, I also The flesh heard. fairs and the <laughs> fucking Chris Rock robot. And yeah. that, <laughs> his is the weird shit, the weird dark mean stuff while the schmaltzy stuff is seemingly from Kubrick. And you just go, oh, yeah, that... I can't even critique it properly in that way because it's not Steven's fault. It's be, oh, it's, it's yeah, Kubrick's fault. That's one of the things that I had heard. Like, there was some stuff that you'd think one did, but it was actually the other. I, doesn't mean it's still not frustrating, though. One of the things mm. that frustrated me is, and is Kubrick or Spielberg, I don't care. I hate the dad of, like, uh, the dad character, the yeah. one who got David and then never imprinted on David, and I hate him. Why did they even make him the guy that worked at the company and then they did that typical Spielberg thing where it's like daddy issues? Why not just have her work at the company and just she's the one who's keen on this and she's like, instead of just that typical like, oh, the dad, because it makes him more of a mean-spirited dumbass than it needs to be. Like, he's Mm. the one who brought it home. Yeah. He was the one who was, but they never explore him. He's just kind of like in on the side. So you just look at him and go, oh, this fucking dumbass guy. Like, how cruel was it that he forced his wife to give the conversation to David where she's basically going to be like, I'm going to take you out to the forest tomorrow and dump you, uh, take you out. Like, what a fucking coward of a guy. She should have, her last line to David should have been, I'm sorry I didn't tell you how the world was, but just look at my husband. (laughs) And that kind of annoyed me. Like, I don't mind that there's... The husband is against David or doesn't want him, but I think just the way it's constructed, he brings it home. He's the one who's excited. He's the one that ridicules and scolds her at the beginning mm. for not liking David. But then randomly, it's like, oh, time has passed and he doesn't like David and he's getting scolded. And I just go, oh, fuck and, and you. And was, was that before or after the son came home? That was before because that yeah, was when exactly. uh, Haley Joel Osment put on her perfume. And they were going out. Oh to right, dinners. they're going to be late. Or yeah, something. and and he's just like fuck you, dumbass man. Like I get it. Like there's things in there that could work for him being afraid of David. Like that's the scissors incident and the pool and there's there's all that stuff. But I just I get annoyed of that kind of thing. Whether that's from Kubrick or or, or Spielberg, it's just annoying mm. because it's just hammering home this message. Of like, oh, dad, suck, or whatever. Bullshit. Yeah, that, it really threw me off because, yeah, it didn't. F- he didn't feel like that when he was introduced. Really, no, no, and he's a non-character. Really, I liked their son. He was a realistic dick of a child, yeah. and he's from the Lizzie McGuire show as her younger dickish brother. So <laughs> okay. he knows how to play that kind of character. But he I was... liked him. <laughs> He was fun. He was a realistic child being a dick, not like... Yeah. There, there, were, there were even times earlier on where I was like, is he just curious or is he actually just trying to be a dick? I think he's jealous of him. Yeah. He's just being a dick. I mean, we both have siblings. You're the older one, but mm. yeah, we, we've been dicks to our siblings at one point or another in our lives. Mm. And that's how it felt. Like, he's just being a dick. And he knows also this is like a... a, a he doesn't think of him as a human either. 
But I'm trying to think of other negatives that I feel uh, in the movie. Like, uh, look, some of the CG doesn't age well, but it looked good at the time. And, you know, most of it looks pretty good. So, fuck it. You know, like... And a lot of it is meant to kind of, like, throw you off a bit. Yeah, and it's supposed to be zany and over the top when it doesn't look good. But, uh, you know, it doesn't look good. Uh, All right, watch Ready Player One. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) But... Oh, I, the I, director of that film is going to be really embarrassed. I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, Kubrick, right? Yeah, Kubrick. Uh, Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he loves those uh, popcorn movies. No, that, wait, it was Hitchcock. Good. Hitchcock, of course, of course. Uh, but I'm trying to think. Anything else? This is your first time viewing it. Well, any other little things in there or big things that were odd for you or you didn't work or you just didn't like? Um, we've covered all the main major ones. I think in general, that whole middle chunk of the film, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. Like I, I enjoyed the, after the, after he's abandoned and like all those robots are being thrown into the dump and you mm. get like that full moon shot, but it's actually like this hover vehicle with thing. Brendan Gleeson inside Brendan of it Gleeson with a field. cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> Like that was I a... loved him in this movie. <laughs> I wish he was in it more. Yeah. Uh oh yeah, yeah. Then they go to the, the flesh fair. I remember um Yeah, I, I guess the, the they had a weird messaging thing there where once it was a once it was a robot that was like really humanistic, like the crowd that had just been like celebrating all this violence was turned. The, yeah, turned and I Because didn't... they don't beg for their own lives. That was the big thing, is like he's begging for for they don't do that, mm. which was weird because they're not wrong. They don't do that, but at the same time, they were clearly doing that, but not in that way. Yeah, so it was just they a... were just off enough for them to be okay with murdering those robots yeah, that so... were begging for their lives because they weren't begging in the most yeah. human of ways. So it's like, did they get a change of heart, or was it that they actually were deceived? Dude, I think just seeing a little boy <laughs> is enough. Because like, they also make a point that nobody makes children. It's why would you do that? Yeah, well, well, David was like the first of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also just think seeing a child that's begging for their lives and mm. reacting to being burned, yeah. they were like, no, 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 no. And Brendan Gleeson was being a dick. Yeah, as well. Like he was, his showmanship was very dickish, and I think even they were like, ah, eh, fuck you. I really, uh, the like the last shot you see of that place or one of them is like when um when Joe and David, like, run out through the ticket booths and then, like, grab hands. Like, I really enjoyed that shot. I just enjoyed David and Gigolo Joe anytime <laughs> I they were too, interacting. But, but that, that, that shot, shot was good. That yeah. shot, I really just... There was something really whimsical and genuine about that. I'm like, oh, that's really cute. I like the, the tracking shot of when the guy... When they grab Teddy and throw him in Lost and Found and yeah. that guy and him being like, where's the off switch? And he can't figure it out. And he's like, eh, whatever. And yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a good moment. Like what I was saying earlier. That and it was a good way of showing you all the carnage and how it's just in the background. Like, yeah. you'll see it soon. And we've already seen some of it. But this... This is just like same shit as always. Yeah. Like him as an employee, like nothing new. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Like the the whole beginning of the film, everything's like super meaningful, and like you look at everything, and then this is just a really long shot of just you getting to look at something. Yeah, in the background. In the background. And this is, we're focusing on a silhouette of a guy being like, ah, what the? Where's this fucking button? Like I gotta yeah. figure it out. And then ah, fuck it. And he just goes back to his job, and like the other guy at the lost and found is just like serving up mm. slushies. Like I just yeah. love. I'm trying to think of other negatives. I just, you know, it, it the ending is a divisive choice. Mm. And I think my big critique is 
I don't know if you read this in the trivia, and I've already kind of mentioned, but the things at the end aren't supposed to be aliens. They're supposed to be robots. Yeah, I knew they were robots. I don't like the design. I think their design is too reminiscent of what we know of aliens. It's very, very kind of like deified, dignified kind of, I guess. The, the, the long, slender, bulbous head. I just don't mm. think that helps because most people go, oh, they're aliens. Yeah, that... But once you know that they're mechas, it makes a ton more sense, and it, it just adds up. But also, in all honesty, I I thought they were, I'd never even considered that they weren't robots. So when I read that there was all this confusion, I was like, oh wow, I I must be like super. See, you don't invest in sci-fi as much as I do. That's an alien. That's just they look like aliens. Yeah, they're I, just I, aliens. Now that you mention it, yeah, there is like alien looks about them, but they looked robotic as well. Yeah, they did. But sometimes you just have. Aliens. And also, and also you know. I guess a major thing for me was Joe was literally just telling, well, just telling, 2,000 years ago, uh, but near the end, uh, mm. about how we're going to outlive them in the future. So I was like, oh, and That's he, true. there he is. He's right. That's true. But it also does feel like these robots aren't from Earth <laughs> because they're like, we don't have any recollection of anything. And I'm like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you have something? Wouldn't there be, but whatever. But like, David, David. Like, how did they get created? Like, there's that question of, like, well, what created them? Is there, like, another part of Earth? Like, you know, like, where does the mass of production get? Like, these are the things the long, that... Uh, yeah, I just figure, like, the long-lasting mechas, you know, develop yeah. themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I just... I think the design could have been a little bit more obvious because there is confusion there. And it just... Like, that ending's so what the fuck. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't help. Because once you know, it's like you said, Joe mentions it and it adds to the whole thing. And even David's introduction, his sh- you know, when we first meet him, his his body is silhouetted in the same shape as them when he's entering through those doors. Oh, you're right. You know what? I just remembered. And that's yeah. really clever. When I, when I first saw that silhouette thing at the beginning, I was like, oh, it's kind of alien-like. <laughs> and that's really clever and really smart. But it is, yeah. And, it does, and that's why I can't even critique the design because I can see why they did it to match that. And that's cool. Yeah. That's your reaction. Like, yeah. that. You blew but my mind. I, again, I don't care for the design. Can we talk about the ending? No. Okay. Can we talk about how Jiggler Joe thought blood was tears? <laughs> no, I want to talk about the ending. Okay. What did you think? Having actually watched it, you've heard about it, the legendary ending, but what was it like as sitting down from start to finish? How did you feel? Yeah, I, I, I knew that there was a long time skip, but I didn't remember exactly what happened in it. And I guess it's sort of a culmination of the the big conflict that I was feeling throughout the whole film, which an intentional conflict, I, I would think, of, um, you know, we're, we're on this journey with David and he's always talking about it. He wants to find the blue fairy to turn him into a real boy. And we, the audience, understand that, like, oh, there's there's a meaning behind this for him. Um, but also we know that his, his programming and his naivete, he's not going to find the happy ending that he wants because mm. it's just not going to happen. Because um, reality. Because reality. But um, then this ending suddenly comes along and in a way does give him what he wanted. What he wanted. So yeah. it's like there's meaning there, but also it's kind of convenient. And also it's one of those things like when you really think about it, there's like, was it, was it, was it like ethical, but also... He's a child, so he wouldn't think about that kind of thing. That's what they said. They, yeah. they, they even they were like, you know, we don't know, but you know, 
this is what you've wanted and like they even say like just we just want to make you happy because that's something you haven't really felt much mm. of I, I will, and, I'm like, <laughs> and that made me really really sad i was like jeez yeah, i was wrong i will say this throughout that whole sequence where he was like doing stuff with his r- resurrected mum or whatever term mm. they used um i was thinking like yeah but dude what's gonna happen next like holy shit but then when like she fell asleep and it's like and then david slept forever I kind of had this... He finally blinks. <laughs> I had this, like, little moment of, like, oh, yeah, he would do that. Yeah, that ending makes sense. Like, not, like, a big or small reaction, just, like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Dude, what do you think happened at the end? He just slept forever, right? Dude, I think he fucking chose to die. Well, because earlier in the film, like, he mentioned one of his functions is, like, I can sleep for, you know, I can just be on power down mode. I just figured that's... No, no, I think he just said, like, I don't sleep. I can just sit still Mm. and be very quiet for a very long time. He had some weird line like that. Yeah, yeah, he did. But I, 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 I... See, the ending makes... Well, how did you feel by the end? Like, what was your feeling when the movie titles come up how did you feel at the end that that really was kind of the feeling like yeah that makes sense but it wasn't like a really big or small thing it was just a kind of like yeah i guess given the crazy circumstances that were thrown in this ending yeah that makes sense okay for me i have a more of like a simplistic emotion yours is far more like clinical you're a bit more like "Mm, it's like it makes sense yes i'm thinking about my feelings are (laughs) uh, yes that works me i just feel really sad like This is bittersweet. This is how you do a bittersweet ending. Oh, yeah, for sure. I felt sad. Like, as each light went off in the house... Like, Teddy got on the bed, then, like, fell back. And then the lights of the movie went off, and I was just like, ah, Jesus. I I felt sad at the end. I was like, for me, he dies. That's it. He's dead at the end. He's chosen to sleep. What what was the phrase they used? I can't remember. They used so many phrases, but it's like where the land of dreams are. Slept forever or something? Yeah, and he chose where where they make dreams or whatever. Hmm. And it made me sad, but like you said, you know, it makes sense. It works. The ending is divisive. I could have... I could forgive the ending a little if the journey to it was a little bit smoother. I reckon they could have done some interesting filmmaking of him being underwater and then time, you know, fast forwarding and him there and then eventually it freezing and then them digging him out and all that. But instead we got this monologue from Ben Kingsley. I was really hoping for a visual thing. And like, that's not wrong to do because it matches what they're doing, but it just doesn't work. And I could forgive that ending a little easier if we had a visual journey instead of an audio one in a visual medium. Uh, but I enjoy the ending. I, I don't mind our aliens, robots, and they make him happy and they give him what he wants, And but it's sad and bittersweet and Teddy's just left there mm. forever. It, it's, it's sad, but like from the perspective of David, I think he's all right with it. That's kind of... But was it too what the fuck of an ending? <laughs> I, 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 if I made the film, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah, but you're not Kubrick, because <laughs> that's what Kubrick wanted. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not generic direct. Oh wait, no, you said Kubrick, not yeah. Spielberg. Kubrick wanted that ending. I'm, I'm, right? al- I'm alive, man. When that blue fairy thing finally shattered, it was like, oh, oh man, Jesus! It took like two thousand years, over two thousand <laughs> years, when it got there. Hey, we don't even know how long. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Over two thousand years. And I just go, oh, jeez, yeah. That ending, it is divisive for me. It's a reserved 
yeah, it works. There is reservations there because I think they could have just made the transitioning period much better. And then I could forgive it because the things that's in there, yes, it's very schmaltzy. Yes, a lot of the dialogue's on the nose. Yes, there's a lot of obvious visuals. But I think the character himself, David, like they said, that he's kind of earned this ending. Like, he's he's worked so hard. Mm. And he's been such a good person. Yeah, and even though... That I think the character themselves has earned this schmaltzy, bittersweet, yeah. saccharine ending. And even though these, like, higher beings... Or, yeah, I make them sound like not robots, but like, even though they think that there's a lot of problems with these it... Wobots, it these robots. Yeah. <laughs> these robots think that it's a problem, but he's happy with it. Now sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> no problem with it, everybody. Scrap town. Scrap town, scrap town. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that? <laughs> they went to Scrap Town at the end. No, Scrap Town was the Flesh Festival or whatever it was flesh called. Flesh Fair. Yeah, 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 it was. Brendan Gleeson should have sang Scrap Town. <laughs> oh my god, if this was a musical, <laughs> Brendan Gleeson should have sang. Ah, Scrap Town, Scrap Town. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved that. With his accent. He was fucking wild in this movie. I loved him. I loved his reaction when he got a thing thrown at him. And he was like, oh. Let he was that scene cast the first stone. He gets one. He's like, ah, you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then and then they rip him apart. What, what was that anyway? Was that like a lemon or something? I don't know. No, no they were throwing hacky sacks. Oh, okay. Uh, at least I saw a bunch of hacky sacks. Because okay. I imagine they're handing them out and whatever. And then they can reuse them. For some reason, I thought they were lemons. Lemon grab? But See, I... See, if I made this film, the film would end with lemons. The ending... It is one of those where I have to commend that they went for it. They they yeah. said, hey, this is the ending that we're going to give you. I commend it for that. I also commend it for the fact that uh, this is an arts house blockbuster movie in which mm. this was for the general masses. Yeah. This isn't Ready Fucking Player One. Like, Ready Player One is the antithesis of this. <laughs> Both sci-fi dystopian worlds... In which we have a main character that has like a simplistic want and need of wanting to be happy and wanting to be fulfilled in a sci-fi setting, both directed by Steven Spielberg, both uh, like on opposite ends of good. This is good. Say whatever you want, but Ready Player One's fucking trash in comparison to this. At least this knows it's a dystopian future. Mm. I also did not like the opening of this movie. I did not think that we needed to see William Hurt describe the quandaries of things. I think the movie should have started with the family and their woes, their problems, and then yeah, given they get the child introduced and throughout the movie. And then when we finally get to meet the Professor Hobby via David... We can have that speech that he basically gives David at the end anyway, which is the speech at the beginning. But I feel like they need to explain to the audience what the premise of the movie is, which is, we've made a boy who can love. Now let's see how that goes. When I don't think that was needed. It felt just like tacked on there. It felt like we need... Also, it was boring. You open up this movie with a bunch of scientists in a board, like in a boardroom being like, uh, yeah, I make sex robots. I'm, uh, you know... You're a best customer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken Wansnabe. I'm gonna but, quickly stab this robot. And, you know, 
did you feel that? I don't know. That beginning, like, section, I felt like the movie really picks up once we get to where the family is and what their drama is. And I felt like if we spent more time yeah. with that, then it could have sunk a bit more at the heavily. T- but mm. At the time, I was okay with it. But, yeah, thinking of it as a full product, we didn't need it. All right. Let's talk about things we liked. What, uh, obviously, what did you think of Haley Joel Osment? I thought he did a really great job. Have you seen him act in much? Uh, not- You've seen Sixth Sense, yeah? No, I had a broken that's, copy that's and I could only right. watch the I first few fucking minutes. forget. I assume most people have seen Six Six. I, I try give me some credit. I tried to watch it. So you saw a bit of it. <laughs> I don't think he was in it. <gasps> he wasn't even on the menu. <laughs> His name might have been on the box. So this is the only thing you've seen him in, you think? Uh physically, yes. Hmm. Or did he do a voice and something? Yeah, he's done voice acting. In what? He's the main character of Kingdom Hearts. Oh. Still? Yeah. In the newest one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize he, uh, they kept him on. I thought sounds... he was one of those ones just like, we got a he kid sounds... because he's got a kid voice, and then he, they grow up, and then we don't he, use them. He sounds really young in the first one, and then, like, within the next game, his voice had already dropped. Hello! <laughs> Even though, like, the game... What ga- character does he play? Does he play Goofy? No, the main character, the, the I, anime like, boy. I like how you think I fucking know that. Like, oh, you know, right? The main character of a game series you've never played and know jack squat about. You know, the one with the very complicated story that no one can keep together. Mm. You, you know that character. You well, know, you're should... you not even saying their name. Sora. You showed me that, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 review yeah, thing. Yeah, but so I was doesn't like, oh, mean maybe... the, the whole thing of that Kingdom Hearts review thing of was, look how gobbledygook the Kingdom Hearts things are because none of it makes any sense because eeyore Mm. you know what i think in the 3ds game he he meets the blue fairy Haley jawsman his character does does he voice it he voices the character that meets the blue so he does mute ah good because that's how acting works Mm. you have to wait for the so what did you think of him in this i thought he did a really great job he he was consistent with all like of all the like robot rules. Like he came he came up with the no blinking thing too. Yeah, which Jude Law couldn't abide by. <laughs> That's fine. Jude, Jude Law had things going for him. Jude Law had a lot going for him. Look, when you're a sex bot, you have to blink. A lover bot. Lover bot. Sorry, I sex bot's an Austin Powers term. I Don't think. you? It's fembot, but fembot yeah. is also a Futurama term. True. True. It can be even both. We can have more than yes. one thing with Fembot in it. Sorry, I got sex on the mind. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, continue talking about the child. <laughs> I was about. That's literally the joke I was about to make. Like, let, now let me continue with my child. Now let's continue talking about the freshly shaved Haley Joel Osment because that was a <laughs> trivia point. Yes, all the all the facial hair that he grows. Um, yeah, I just I think he did a fantastic job. Is it one of the best child performances you've seen? I think it's right up there, man. I think it has to be. I fucking love him in this movie. As a kid, yeah. I loved him. In this, I love him. He's the right level of creepy and cute. Yeah, it's like at the beginning he's... of the film, before he gets imprinted, he is this kind of like otherworldly thing that has just been thrust in front of you. But then you spend so much time with him and you just you want him to be happy. Did the surprise laugh jump scare you when he's at the dinner table and he just starts laughing out of nowhere? Did that jump scare you? It, it jump scared me. I was like, oh, jeez, and it, I remembered that was going to happen. It definitely jumped on me. It jumped on you and in you and all around you, buddy. Yes, back to the sex bots, I see. Back to the sex bots, I see. <laughs> Did you have a favourite moment from J- Haley in this in this in this feature film, any particular moment that really struck a chord with you? Obviously, it's the abandonment scene for me. I also think him underneath the pool, that image, 
Another highlight moment for me is when he tries to crawl inside Dr. No to grab the blue fairy. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just seeing him in a, I don't know if manipulated is the word, but being manipulated by Martin, the, the brother, mm. not brother, but like the actual son, and just like seeing him be really conflicted about it because he's got his programming and that's a core thing throughout the entire film. Mm. Um, but here, yeah, it's, he's very conflicted and I just thought there was a lot of interesting stuff going on with that. You could see the pain in his eyes when people called him a toy and an object and a thing because he knows he is that but it hurts him because he wants to be real mm. he is like my... when he's asked like what his birthday or commission date is or whatever here's the thing we've got to ask though do you think by the end like do you think after having watched the movie he's alive David that's always the eternal question when it comes mm. to androids and robots and all that is uh, like uh, he's an art. It's called artificial intelligence. But do you think that David is, you know, self-aware, alive, conscious? I think with me, I saw everything that he did in the film as being consistent with his programming. So is that a no? It's. I guess it technically is a no, but not really a bad thing. Kind of no. The romantic in me should probably say yes, but... Yeah. yeah. As someone who's watched sci-fi a lot, too, I also agree with you. But then there's things that he does that just... I go... I don't know. Like, when he basically tries to commit suicide by jumping off the building because he has no hope in living anymore because everything he's known is a lie and a fake mm. and he realises that he is just bits put together to do human bidding that was pretty fucking tough man mm. like that kind of moment i go you know i don't know i don't know and he does kind of have things in there where you just go yeah i don't know man it's kind of hard because his acting is so good because he gets more human as the film goes on. And mm. at the end, he finally gets to blink and he, you know, finally chooses to sleep. But I also agree, there is a thing of he is following through on his imprinting program to a, to a ludicrous degree where he's, you know, yeah. and removing en- reality from it. Yeah, and just... but, and, but in the end, he finds happiness and that's kind of like the happy turn of it. Yeah, that's right. But there's always that thing of, because the movie is called Artificial Intelligence, you know, is he just artificial intelligence? Is he, is just, he just William Hurt's programming? Is he just source? Is he just source? Because that's why they called it Artificial Intelligence, <laughs> because they thought people thought it was going to be A1 source, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dumbass. <laughs> I, that's the thing where you just go... I think, yeah, I think he is still a robot by the end. But is that the bad thing? Because I, I think the movie does a good job of exploring it well enough where it doesn't force you to go, no, no, he's alive by the end. Like, all you need is, like you said, by the end, he is happy. He has finally gotten that thing that he has wanted, which is happiness. And he hasn't had a lot of that. Mm. Uh, I felt like Jude Law was alive, weirdly. <laughs> Even though he was very robotic and he did his stuff, he just he had an understanding of the world. He had a view of things that felt relatable more so than 
uh, you know, than David. David was, he felt very like, he's very driven, but like, maybe because I'm cynical adult man now, but Jude Law, just the way he just had a blase look on the world, and like you said, like, he, yep, we're going to outlive them, and that's what they hate about us. I'm, I'm like, yeah, Jude Law has a, he's optimistic, but he has a jaded perspective, and I kind of felt like he was at least glimmering the idea of being alive. Hmm being real in some way even though he does his walk and he does he's like gets distracted and he wants to fuck and all of that and he has his head click and music plays and yeah and that's uh, that's another thing consistent uh, consistent with like all the robots in this film like all the like sudden quick but like robotic movements that they do is really cool yeah i i loved Haley joel osman in this movie i think it does do a good job as a film of capturing that sci-fi tone of not just is it what is humanity and what is love and emotions and but the dystopian stuff and the sci-fi aesthetics are very nice although i did find it very funny when she answered her old fashioned modern telephone where it was like an old rotary phone but also it was like a mobile phone and i'm like why do they have that like the old 1930s type phone, but she took the thing off the hook and it's like a cell phone. Retro never dies. Retro never dies. That is true. I think that this film, for all of its flaws, the biggest strength it has is this is sci-fi. This is science fiction used for what it needs to. It's not just using the iconography of sci-fi of lasers and holograms and robots and all of that it's exploring things that sci-fi does the the thematic issues the philosophical issues the existential issues of the human condition of the world we live in this film actually does that and it's a film that could just have been spielberg doing pinocchio but robot Mm. i think it does a good job of that I think earlier you were teasing the idea of whether this was a kids' movie. Yeah, what do you think? It's yeah, it's tr- tricky because there's a lot of like really dark stuff going on, but the whimsy all throughout and the fact that it's all drawing from you know Pinocchio, it really does kind of seem like <clears throat> it's a kids' movie, but it wants you to mature through watching it. I guess. Yeah, I would say that it's a movie. That kids can watch, but I won't call it a kids movie. Yeah. Kids can watch it, but it's not made for them. It's made for just people in general, I think. I think it's just made for any demographic. When when you first watched it, were you already a pretty big sci-fi guy? Dude, I don't remember a time when I wasn't a big sci-fi okay, guy. fair enough. One of my favorite childhood movies was Mars Attacks. Mm. I remember in preschool, I was like, I love doing the Mars attack noise, you know, the alien noise, and all that. So I don't remember a time in which sci-fi wasn't a thing. Fair enough. So yes, is the answer. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are other, any other things that you want to talk about that worked? Any kind of uh, set pieces or scenes or moments that really struck a chord that really worked? I think there's something to say about pretty much all the set pieces, like the whole, like the dark city place, like that all looked really cool. Um, the the sunken Manhattan stuff had some really melancholic feelings about it. When he killed himself? When he killed himself. Like the other David, as well as throwing himself <laughs> off a building. Yeah, And even just before that, like when he went into that back room and saw like all the models that looked like him. And like, Darlene. 
Hmm? And Darlene, the girl version of him. Right, right. Darlene and David. <laughs> David. Uh, yeah, just I think this film visually has a lot going for it. Yeah, I really liked how goofy it was when Brendan Gleeson was like, all right, release the hounds. And it just cuts to these like sci-fi Tron guys on motorcycles <laughs> with dog like things on the front. And yeah, that was silly. It was a fun silly, though. It was cheesy. I, I mean, it's just Jude Law, man. Just Jude fucking Law. What did you love? What, what were things about Jude Law that really hit home for you? And are you a big Jude Law fan? I don't really think of him too much, but whenever I do see him, I think I always do have a good time with him. Uh, <laughs> a good time. Yeah. I don't know if he takes male clients, but I'm interested to find out the answer to that question. Not because I have plans or anything, just, you know, curious. I'm a curious man. He's bi-curious. No, 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 no. Bartek is my name. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was so dumb. You clapped, though, so it's affirmation. Yeah. Um, no, I think just everything about him is, like, really fun. Like, I read that he, like, worked for months for the choreographer and all his movements, and I... Could... And it shows. And it, uh, yeah, I was going to say, he nailed it. Just, like, all the little dance movements. Uh, I think everyone's pointed this out. He looks a lot like Robbie Rotten. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. From uh, Lazy Town, right? From Lazy Town, and um, but even even but sexier. But even then, like when I read the the idea of him was he was meant to be this like overly perfect real life Ken doll kind of thing. I was like, there it is, there it is. That's what he is. I loved his walk animation. I want to call it where every two or three steps, his elbow would kind of jig backwards, and mm. his forearm would be like straight as an arrow, like he's like this wind up toy, like every. <laughs> He would do like walk, 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 jig, walk, 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 jig, and I just loved that. It was very, like, very programmed, but feels very fluid. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's a good amount of noticeable physicality from the actor, with it also being just fluid enough where it feels like you know this is just how he, this is just how he does it. it doesn't feel like it feels choreographed, but it doesn't feel too choreographed. It doesn't feel like hey, it's me, Jude Law. I'm showing off. I'm showing off. It's kind of like it's him being like, I'm showing off. Yeah, and even like when he turns on music by like doing that neck thing. Yeah. It's like, I, it feels cheeky, but it also feels mechanical. Jigolo uh, Joe, what do you know? <laughs> hey, Joe, what do you know? What did you think about that? When, when, uh, I didn't realise, I, I forgot about this, but when um, David is in the dreamscape with his mother resurrected, mm -hmm. and he grabs the, the toy that his brother wanted him to, to break, destroy, yeah. and it's the... It looked like the thing, thing that they, that they were, were driving around, and mm. he says, hey, Joe, what do you know? Because it reminds him of Joe. I liked that. That was a nice little, ah, uh, yeah. It wasn't so obvious to me when I was like, because I've seen this movie a dozen times. I didn't remember, like, when it's like, break this toy. I didn't remember, oh, yeah, the toy, that's a thing that factors in. Yeah, I noticed that it was the same toy, but for some reason I just wasn't thinking of the Joe thing, yeah. Yeah, because them driving around in their little police. Like the bulbous little yeah. up thing, yeah. Yeah, it's the same as that toy, pretty much. That was cute. But yeah, Joe... I mean, it's a bummer we didn't see him fuck, though. I mean, he's a sex robot, a lover bot. I wanted to see Joe's I'm robot gonna, dick. I'm going to be honest. All I heard you say was bum and fuck. It's a bum that we didn't fuck. <laughs> it's a bummer that he did not get to fuck in this movie. Jude Law should be, have been allowed. I think... Give me the fuck cut, Spielberg, you coward. Where Jude is just a fucking I think... machine that... Fucks. I think I can safely say that he most definitely did fuck that girl at the beginning of his uh, little part. 
Well, yeah, you could assume so. She's never had it before. That's my headcanon. With a mecha. With a mecha. And an auger. A mecha and an auger. Organic and mecha. Fucking augers. Uh, I, yeah, Jude Law, he's just magnetic in this. This is one of those performances in which it makes you want to perform. Like, oh, wow, wasn't that, oh, you, doesn't it? If like, only you I look could at do him, that. Oh, I'd love to play a character like Gigolo Joe. I want that outfit. <laughs> just yeah. strutting around in that little outfit of his and tap dancing on some water. We should get that choreographer and teach us the Chigolo Joe if we learn... was the best. I loved also how dumb he was, but also how down-to-earth and smart he was. He, he got distracted easily. I liked his whole little thing about how he got clients a lot from the church, that the, the from all <laughs> yeah. the humans that pray there, that he would, like, pick them up. <laughs> it's gross. Well, the director's Jewish, you know. Oh, well, Spielbergo. Yeah. <laughs> the very Jewish Spielbergo. Spielbergo. <laughs> His Mexican equivalent counterpart, Spielbergo. Steven, that's from The Simpsons. Um, is it? Okay. When Mr. Burns is trying to make his film for the short film festival, oh, and yeah. he's like, he makes Ben Hur, and he needs like the work for hire Mexican equivalent counterpart of Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielbergo. That's what I always call Spielberg, Spielbergo. I feel like if you add an S at the end, you can make him Greek. Spielbergos. Yeah. <laughs> And if Stavros was, Spielbergos. And what about Polish Spielberg? What would he be? Um, think, think hard. Uh, we used to have S- Jewish people. He could still be Spielberg. S- Stasho Spielberg? I don't know. At a ski! Come on! <laughs> oh, shit, that's obvious. Uh, Spielbergvich. There you go. You added a ski in the front part. I usually think of skis in Polish things being at the end. They are at the end. I said, I said Sp- Spielbergvich. Bitch. Did I say Skivberg bitch? Yes. Whatever. Pol- Stephen Polish. Um, I think that's it on AI. It's a, it's a, it's a complicated mess of a movie. That's the thing. It is a bit of a mess. Yeah. But it's an admirable mess. You, you can see that it's Spielberg trying to yeah. finish the work of someone he loved and admired, and it's captivating. He does succeed in a lot of ways. Steven Spielberg, say what you want about him. He knows how to make movies. Whether mm. he makes boring shit like The Post, that's another story. But he knows how to make a film, and this is a film. This is the glorious merging of a big blockbuster, popcorn-y kind of thing with your slow, thoughtful, arty, atmospheric sci-fi. I think it blends the two, and it more leans towards this sci-fi thoughtfulness. Mm. And that's, for me, tick in the box. In the box. Dick in the box. I recommend this movie. Of course, it's a complicated movie. It will have you pulling your hair out at times, being like, no, David, don't do that. And William Hurt, act, motherfucker. Stop being just so dreary and boring. (laughs) Apparently, I hate William Hurt, according to people, (laughs) because I didn't like him in Micon. I've said I don't think I've seen him in anything where he's charismatic. And did this movie prove me wrong? No. Did, no. he, did he smoke on the set too much? Yeah, probably. Would you, if you were a scientist that could create a robot, would you base the robot's likeness on your own dead child? I'd have to have a dead child. No, 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 no. Come on, give me the answer. Would you? Um, I think it would be too much for me. I think I wouldn't be able to handle that. Probably. I guess there is also like the sort of romanticism there that like the perfect child would be my child, and that's, like, the ultimate gift that I can give the world. Wrong, it's Frankie. 
Munez. <laughs> that's that's the perfect child. Is Frankie Munez. He's not a child. He's an adult. You know what I'm talking about. He'll forever be a child to all of us. <laughs> He'll forever. Be he still f- looks like a child. He forever will be a Formula One driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about Patrick Smash? Well, you know, that's a close second. I think just because Frankie's given us more in volume of work. Oh, so the guy pa- who's more privileged, huh? <laughs> Poor Patrick Smash. <laughs> you don't even say the actor's name. <laughs> Bruce Cook. There you go. See, I said Frankie Muniz. I didn't say Malcolm from Malcolm Middle. You had to use your kid by ah, the character said, he played. You said that about someone... No, that was Lizzie McGuire. Never mind. Take that, motherfucker. Shit! Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. You would. You're like, my child's the best, I'll make him after me. I mean, if I were a romantic, but clearly because I said he was a machine in this, I'm not. Okay, Bartek, no romance, no fist. I actually am a machine. Oh, good. I'm your machine, you just never imprinted on me because you fucking imported me from Poland, you can't read the seven All words. Alright, let me read the seven words. Uh, Socrates, uh, well, it's Twinkle, well, it's I can't remember that shit, I remember Socrates. Hur- hurricane... But like I said, they're, they're Polish words. You can't pronounce them. That's why oh, you, that's okay. Why you Let never me try again. Hurricane. <laughs> what was that? That was hurricane, motherfucker. Oh, hurricane. I just did a crocane. <laughs> Polish. That's what I'm doing. Duh. You missaid um, as Polish word at the beginning of this episode. Ruby, Ruby, Kwanzaa. <laughs> that's three words. Shit, over halfway. Zygnonsz. Yeah, that's the one. Zygnonsz. 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 Um, uh, um, uh, what was one for poo? Uh, Koopa. Koopa! <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to say, uh, Ryan Bartek Ryan. Ryan Bartek Ryan! Koopa! Wow, I love you so much, Dad. Daddy. Thanks, Daddy. Da- daddy, Daddy. Thank Thanks, you. Daddy. I like to book you. <laughs> hey, real question. If you yeah. were a parent, mm-hmm. I asked my wife this last night, who we don't have kids yet. Fun fact, if she were a parent, you'd probably be one. Not one would hope. But you would you want to be called Dad, Daddy, Pa, Papa? What would you want to be called if you had a kid? What would you want them to call you? I'm a dad kind of guy. I feel like maybe dad. If my if my child was in touch with their inner Polish, I could I could accept tato. 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 Tatush. Tatush. <laughs> um, I. Tato's I, like dad. Tatush is like daddy. Ooh, daddy. Tatush. What is father? Oichets. What's say that word again? Oichets. Oichet. Come here, Chet Hanks. Come here. No, like plural. Oichets. Oi, all the Chets, including Chet Hanks, come here. We're going to make AI 2, where you play David as an adult. We can't get Haley. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. Uh, Bartek, are you interested to hear what next week's episode is going to be? Regardless, I have to hear because I have to watch it. I mean, you could just not be here and I do it by myself and pretend that you're here. Hello, it's me, Bartek. Blah, blah, blah. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. Me and my mummy watched Bollywood this week. Oi, Chets. Oi, Chets. <laughs> no, my Oi, Chets doesn't like Bollywood. <laughs> is that why they Family got... drama. Wait, is that why they got divorced? Yeah, that's it. Oh, this got deep. Because your mum said, what do you... which Khan's your favourite? And he... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have an answer. <laughs> he didn't have an answer. He said none of them. And your mum said, No! And then she looked him dead in the eyes and said, it's over. And they walked away and then turned around and looked him dead in the eyes again and said, a Terminator's a classic and walked out of the room. 
so we are going to be doing next episode a film that was recommended by the listening people, one of your friends to be precise. Mm-hmm. Um, Children of Men. Ah. By, recommended by your Amanda. friend Amanda. Not directed by Amanda, although... And not Bynes. Not Amanda Bynes. Amanda... No, she hasn't friended me yet. Not yet. She's too busy getting new facial tattoos. That's the reason why. So we were doing Children of Men, not to get that confused with Logan, uh, which has the same plot as Children of Men, the film Logan, with uh, Hugh Jazzman, as we call him in this house, because Hugh Jackman can sing like jazz. So we'll be covering that next episode, so make sure to give that a watch. You can hit us up with your own suggestions on our Facebook or Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. We're on those social medias. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com. That's spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can give us your thoughts, your queries, your concerns about things we've discussed, and, of course, recommendations for films to cover in the future. We are on all the podcatchers available. We're on the one you're listening to right now. Yeah. Unless you've downloaded it. Then we're on the one that you downloaded it from. Or if you're in some weird country where we play on the radio or, like, on the streets... On the streets. Like you're at a market and like some... In Poland, <laughs> where they only play top 10 Polish podcasts on the radio. And then they hear me saying, Poland sucks about women. And they and you, hear you go, have I said anything good about the Polish culture? <laughs> they just throw their hands up in the air and say... Rrr. And then... Uh, that, that's Polish for oi, and then And then you and I just keep going, oi, chets, oi, chets, And all the oi, dads chets. are like, what, what, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> then I say tato and tato. like, what, what, what? What, 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 zignonj? <laughs> and then, you're just there. then they just spin like, you know, they spin like tops into the sky like ufos <laughs> and then we never see the polish people again and then you say i'm a dad and they're like oh dad he's dead he's dead koopa because <laughs> they're, they're not good at english koopa i'm gonna go to my house with multiple toilets now <laughs> and that's how you do it uh so until next time listening people remember to rate us five stars only five we only accept five if it's a 10 star rating still five don't want none of that six shit divided by two Divide it by 14. Unless it's 6, then we minus 1. Then we minus 1. So, until next time, listening people, remember that, you know, Teddy was the real hero in this movie. And although we didn't talk about him enough, we both know that he was the real hero. He really went out of his way. In fact, at the end of the movie, the director was Teddy. That was the real twist mm. of AI. Spielberg's name came up, and then it got erased with a cartoon teddy bear that came on screen, like Pink Panther style, and then it just said, directed by Teddy. And then a little cartoon of Teddy Roosevelt came on screen and erased that, and added R. Roosevelt, Teddy R. Roosevelt. And, and, then, and then an assassin came on the screen as a cartoon and shot Teddy Roosevelt in his chest, but he survived because he was so muscly in his chest. And then, you know, whatever next president comes out, and, that, and that's it. Like that, It just keeps going like that. Every cartoon president. Also, ever. yeah, and also when I looked up Teddy's voice actor, he was in the first Ratchet and Clank, so that's pretty cool. At who? He was, a, he was just a minor character in like the second level. He's like, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And go. isn't that really the main message? Sci-fi too, hey. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs>